Hey friends, um, I just wanted to give you a heads up. This episode we talk about fertility, so if that's something that you are not comfortable with, go ahead and just skip this one. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Jacqueline, and this is Mothering Through, a podcast for women and moms who are just doing the best that they can. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Mothering Through. Um, I just want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for staying here. And for those of you who have listened to multiple episodes, thank you. Um, I know I mentioned this in my last week's episode, but my motivation levels are at an all-time low. And uh, so I just have to apologize for (laughs) for getting this episode out late. Um, I can't promise that there's going to be an episode every single week from here on out, but I'm going to do my best. So if there is one, you can just be like, oh my gosh, what a fun surprise. There's a new episode of mothering through. Yay. Um, and if there's not, please don't be mad at me. Okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm working back up to the not being totally lame because of the weather. And, uh, it's, it's a slow, but sure thing. My house is starting to look like, um, sophisticated people may live here and not savages. So anyway, um, but I'm super excited for this week's episode. I had a really, really awesome conversation with Maddie, um, a couple weeks ago and, um, she had some incredible things to say about, um, her fertility journey and her fostering journey. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. So, um, let's just jump in. So without further ado, please welcome Maddie Aldis. Hey, Hi. how's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for uh, doing this with me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this is I'm fun. excited. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you have no, you'd have no reason to be nervous because literally there's like five people who will listen to this. So it's cool. <laughs> I am one of those people. Oh, you're so nice. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, sorry. I was, when you texted me, we just took the binky away from my two-year-old. And so it's been, bedtime has been very difficult. And then they, and then they decided to get sick, like the same, like the same week. So it's been a, yeah, been a rough week. You know what I mean? That's rough. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. It is what it is. It's fine. But yeah, it's definitely, um, definitely not a fun time for me personally, but, uh, and probably also not for them. So, but whatever, that's, that's motherhood, right? Yeah. Um, so basically I just kind of want to get to know you and your story of your motherhood story because it's unique and it's different and I think it's really cool and so I just kind of want to yeah so just kind of uh, give me a background like tell me about you where you're from how you met your husband how long you've been married and then like just kind of like how you got to where you are now well are we ready we're ready okay (laughs) well um (laughs) I am from Washington state um a little valley right in the middle called Wenatchee um it's where a lot of the apples and cherries come from so that's pretty cool I guess I'm the bossy oldest sister of six kids 
Nice. So lucky for them. <laughs> yes, I feel that. I'm also the um, oldest, so. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't stop. We're all. Yeah, it, it just comes like... with it. Yep, yep, yep. And it comes with the territory. <laughs> You're just like, sorry, this is who I am. So yeah. take me yeah. or leave me. It's in my blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so I'm the oldest. Um, my family, the origin of my like immediate family is kind of cool as well. Uh, my four of my siblings were adopted. Uh, they were in foster care and then my parents were able to adopt them. So that's a big part of how my family came to be. And I've got a brother who's half Hispanic and a sister who's half black. So we like to joke that we have a rainbow family. <laughs> hopefully that's a, hopefully that's that's PC. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> just an inside family joke. I love um, it. Most people would say I'm pretty quirky. That's just who I am. <laughs> and I mean, hopefully that's the word they would use. Hopefully it's not anything bad. Um, <laughs> growing up, I always, my career aspirations included changing diapers and washing bottles and <laughs> snuggling little babies. That's like, I literally dressed up as a mom, but I put on blush. That's definitely not reality. <laughs> but in third grade, I dressed up in like, your little kid mom. brain. You're like, Oh, moms wear blush. <laughs> I'm like, just connecting this now. My That's mom so like funny. curled my hair and I brought my little baby doll and a carrier and I felt so cool. I had makeup on. And now so I'm like, cute. I haven't curled my hair in a year. <laughs> yeah. But that was always my dream. Um, my husband, I met him. It'll be seven years of marriage for us next month. So that's kind of fun. Congratulations. Um, we met here in the Treasure Valley. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just kind of a silly story. I was going to BYU-Idaho, and long story short, I stopped going. <laughs> I came here to, like, just take a break. I have family here, so I was living with them. And I was, like, trying to figure out my life at 22, just being very dramatic. <laughs> and I swore off boys, and then my husband Jackson came home from his two-year mission, and we met, like, right after he came home. <laughs> And then we fell in love and got married within six months of him being home from his mission. So pretty classic. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's us. So did you want to have kids immediately? Like what was kind of your plan as oh. far as that went? Like, were you like, okay, like let's have kids immediately. Did you like decide, okay, let's wait a few years. Like, what was that? How did that go? How did that conversation go with you guys? So we planned on waiting about a year. I think that's just what people recommended or I don't know. It was like an unwritten recommendation. Mm -hmm. um, and we just wanted to kind of enjoy married life. And we got married super quick. So we still had to learn a lot about each other. <laughs> like a lot. So we waited, we wanted to wait a year and that year came around and we were ready to like, get the process going yeah <laughs> um but no such luck we oh man this is it's been many years now we um 
we kind of started well how much do you, do you want me to like get into my fertility business or like yeah just I mean I don't want you to share anything that you're uncomfortable sharing but I would love for okay. you to share whatever you want to whatever okay. you're like comfortable so, yeah so I'm like really comfortable sharing everything so great then <laughs> give it to like me all it. no give it all to me <laughs> I'll take it all um okay okay um so we started I knew so I was diagnosed with PCOS when polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was a teenager so I knew that it might be hard for me to have kids but I didn't go about my early 20s planning on that you know Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have that mindset but I did want to be realistic and like I told my husband look I got a bunch of little cysts all over my ovaries and whatnot so (laughs) might be a little tricky getting pregnant and turns out it was we after things not working for a while we um this was in Utah we lived in Provo for about four years while my husband got his degree and I just kind of hung out and worked, <laughs> um, nothing exciting. Um, but we saw a doctor in Provo and he was like used to getting, helping people get pregnant. Obviously it was in Provo. Yeah. And we tried out, we tried out Clomid. That is, oof. Mm, that is the worst drug. Did it make I, you sick or? Oh my gosh. It like flip turned upside down my life I had a really bad reaction so that experience it was like one summer in like 2000 I think by then it was 2018 and it messed I didn't have a good understanding of my hormones and how they control everything Mm -hmm. like they control everything yeah your emotions I mean it's kind of insane yeah and before I tried Clomid, I didn't get anything checked, which going back, I wish I would have done that and focused on balancing my hormones before taking this beast of a drug. Um, (laughs) So that kind of brought out a lot of imbalanced hormones. And I mean, that kind of magnified problems I was already having with my mental health. Um, a lot of which had to do with imbalanced hormones. Um, so we decided to pump the brakes on that. And that's all we really did for like fertility treatment. We didn't, we haven't done like IUI or IVF or anything. Um, maybe someday, but ever since then, it's kind of just not happened. We haven't like, like I said, done further treatments, but it's been five years now. How do no you fun in this oven yet? <laughs> <laughs> so since we're talking about like the fertility stuff, like, yeah, how do you like, like, what's your attitude towards it? Cause I feel like you've been through this now for seven years, right? It's been, it's yeah, not like, like it's your first time around the block. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, so what I... was, what was something that you had to do to like be able to get through every day and not, you know, to lots of things so in the beginning we had like our little friend group (laughs) we had friends who like two other couples they were married the same time they both like wanted to start getting pregnant at the same time as us and every night or not every night but once in a while we would text each other my friend would say you pregnant yet and I and I was like 
no, you. <laughs> and it was kind of a joke, but deep down I knew it wasn't going to happen that quickly for me. Um, so the beginning was really hard when we had, I was kind of just surrounded by people who had everything I had ever wanted. Yeah. And especially being down at BYU, I mean, people are pregnant everywhere and babies yeah. everywhere. Yeah. I sure I was jealous. I still feel jealous to this day sometimes, but I found ways. I started trying to support my friends rather than envy them. Mm -hmm. And so like I threw most of those friends baby showers and they, any, anybody who was aware of my situation was really sensitive toward me. Like they would text me or tell me before they announced it on social media, like, Hey, Maddie, I just want you to know, like, we're expecting a baby or another baby. And I just wanted to tell you before I posted it, I know it's hard. And I mean, that's like more than moms need to do for me, but it's nice that I've had people care about mm -hmm. my feelings. Um, yeah. In the beginning, that was really helpful. I think over the years, I don't know, through a lot of healing, um, therapy, working on myself, I kind of got to a healthier point with a healthier mindset about motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of accepted that it's just going to look, it, it looks different for me. So though I do still get jealous and I want to like go through painful birth and everything. <laughs> and I hope I still can. I, I don't struggle with the same feelings that I did when this all started. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that it's really hard and I can't even imagine. So I'm sorry that you've had to go through that. I think that's gotta be one of the most difficult trials. Like, and I feel like you have, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, you know, I'm not in your inner circle of friends, but from an outside, I, I, I went to one of the baby showers that you threw in that weird place that weird uh condo that we lived in there's like no parking it was so annoying oh that was great that was oh, a good, good times um but I just feel like you've you've handled it with grace and um I think that you know I I, I hope that things will eventually play out the way they're supposed to and that you get that miracle baby like that's something that I hope mm -hmm. for you so Thanks. You're you can't welcome. make me cry yet. My oh. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what's you. some advice you would give to somebody who's going through fertility issues? Like when you meet other women who might be in the same situation that you're in and that maybe are starting out? I think sometimes this sounds worse than I want it to or mean for it to sound, but like everybody's journey is different and it has been annoying in the past when I hear somebody complain that they haven't gotten pregnant after like one month. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard to like remain positive toward them yeah. after that, but I don't like to have that attitude. I, I think that that's such a precious and vulnerable time when, I mean, most of the time you're stopping like birth control or whatever that keeps you from getting pregnant. So it feels very like oh my gosh, I could get pregnant any second now, you know? Yeah. And I think my advice would just, honestly, your experience is not going to be like anybody else's. And follow, you can follow people on Instagram, talk to other friends, but make sure it's a healthy amount. Yes. Because if you get so wrapped up in it, you're not going to enjoy any part of it. 
And I don't know. I if I could go back, I would have started being a little more positive about it sooner. But it took me a while to really have a positive outlook. So for anybody who's trying to get pregnant, I hope and pray that they can find some comfort and peace, even if it's just been a couple months. Because that's still hard. Yeah. Well, and I think it takes a lot of um, like learning and maturity and like wisdom, you know, like it's like been, you know, five plus years for you. And so you've gained a lot of wisdom through your experience. And I feel like, (laughs) well, I I just feel like, you know, the, the growth and, and maybe this is the wrong thing to say, but like, you know, growth comes in heartache and like pain. And, you know, I, I never wish that on, on anybody, but it's like one of those things that you're like, okay, if I'm looking for the positive, maybe this is the only thing is like this growth that I've been able to find in myself Um, and so, and I think that that's, if I'm not misunderstanding you, that's kind of what you're saying is just that like, you've had to like really work through your own emotions and like figure your own self out and like come to know you and you've come to know yourself better so that you can cope with those things that are difficult for you. Is that sound right? Okay. So just to like segue to mental health, because you, you mentioned that you hadn't, balance you didn't know that you did you so did you have a hormone imbalance to begin with or was it just after you started taking the Clomid I mean my hormones were kind of all over the place I saw after I stopped Clomid and wanted to just it was my therapist who thought that it was my hormones really messing me up and I mean a few years down the line I got a proper diagnosis of what was going on with my mental health but um as far as hormones go they were just, I mean, ugh, I hate even saying this, but like testosterone can be like super high for people with PCOS. Like I get facial hairs. I spent a long time plucking these bad boys today <laughs> after a few days of like not even looking at them. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> um, it's not fun. And there are ways to balance your hormones. It just, it does take a lot of work right now. I haven't been doing all that I should be to work on that. But I mean, that's also advice I have for literally anybody trying to get pregnant get your freaking hormones checked before you do anything else yeah because i wish i would have known about that and i mean just for your overall health also like yeah. getting your hormone check yeah. and balance i feel like uh hormone like understanding your hormones is like at least for me maybe i'll just speak for myself maybe i just was living under a rock for a long time but like didn't even occur to me that that was like a thing (laughs) like all of a sudden i'm like hearing all these things it's like this your hormone balance can affect this and this and this and it's just like all Uh, these like things and you're just like wait what why did nobody teach me about uh, this (laughs) thank you tiktok (laughs) yeah yeah for real (laughs) yeah (laughs) like where was this when i was in like middle school like they should have taught you me about this but it's interesting like you know even with once you have a baby, like they change too. Like, it's crazy. Like I was totally fine on birth control before I had Brooklyn. And then, um, for I had her, I was fine as well. And then, um, I tried to go back on it after Harper and it messed me up like a lot. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, this is so weird. Like it was so strange. Cause I had never had any issues with it before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the body's a weird thing, man. Like what the, it's like just crazy how like your hormones oh. affect everything. So yeah, I'm I sorry you had to deal with that. That's really oh, awesome. you're sweet. Yeah. I mean, it, it was fine. I just, I just got off of it and I was like, we're just gonna, 
gonna work on this we're gonna not have a baby a different we're just gonna way. free ball life <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so let's talk about foster care now so what oh yeah my favorite what ultimately subject. yeah well first of all you have a background in foster yeah. care like that's where you, you your family fostered when you were yeah. growing up right yes correct so my parents my parents had me and my just younger sibling were only like 18 months apart and then for a number of reasons my mom couldn't have any more kids and they wanted to adopt before I even get into like foster care at all I want to make it clear to people who may not know a whole lot or are curious that foster care is not an easy cheap way to adopt like that's not the goal foster care when I was younger I kind of thought that it was just because my family ended up adopting but that's just important to know that the goal is to help keep families together and when that's not an option then adoption is an option and that's also beautiful um but anyway so my background yeah I was like the bossy older sister and I helped a lot with my siblings my mom will say no you didn't but I'll say yeah whatever mom (laughs) I hope you hear this (laughs) just kidding um it was really a huge blessing like it looked different I mean family our family just looked different from others we had I have two siblings who are like a month apart so they're basically twins and there was a point where we had three toddlers at once and I have no idea how that happened (laughs) now I'm like that sounds so hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah right now I have two toddlers and it would be nice to have an older kid to help so yeah I'm glad I could fill that gap for my mom she was definitely had a lot going on when Jackson and I were talking about getting married obviously you talk about serious things and I let him know I wanted to do foster care and he wasn't quite on board yet we were on board with adoption because we've both been blessed by adoption. So we knew we wanted to do that. The foster care, we kind of planned on starting like getting into it when we moved from Provo to here in Nampa. We kind of figured like we haven't had our own kids yet. We want to be parents. It just seems like the thing to do. We were scared about it and we kept putting it off, but we met through a volunteer program. We met little boy and i think i can say his name now because he was adopted writer was his name is his name he's alive (laughs) and well (laughs) he was like oh man he was like four months old when we met him and through the volunteer program we just basically helped a foster family with whatever they needed and this family needed babysitting they already had like five older kids of their own and they just needed help babysitting. And we were like, all right, we're in. And that little boy was the sweetest man. He, he's the reason that we got started when we did with foster care. He, unfortunately, his parents weren't going to be able to have him back um, in their custody. They just struggled a lot. And so though that's really sad and it's still sad. He, Ryder, didn't have a whole lot of family options. Um, So then with foster care, first, if reunification with parents can't happen, then the next step is finding family. 
like grandparents or aunt uncle or maybe they have siblings who are already adopted like the goal is to keep them with family and if that's not an option then just some other foster family and in Ryder's case we were asked if we wanted to be an option and of course we said yes <laughs> and so we got we got licensed like so quickly it was like expedited so that we could be ready to adopt him if it came to that um we got really excited we like went to tuck him in at night at their house and we like babysat as much as we could knowing that we could possibly adopt him but then he had some his grandparents were ready and wanted to have him so that was like super difficult and for a while we were like why your grandparents like don't you want to just be old and retire <laughs> but that was really silly <laughs> they're wonderful people we met them and they know us and like what we had like the part we played in writer's story and he's happy healthy with cousins and his family so basically that was a lot of information sorry <laughs> that wasn't meant to work out but once we found out that we weren't going to even before we found out we weren't going to get to adopt him we got a call for a little baby girl and she was so so sweet and we only had her like six weeks, but it was like our first child. So it felt like a dream <laughs> and it was really hard to come down from that cloud. <laughs> her story is kind of nuts, but now there were a couple times we were after she was moved to a family friend from our house. Like there was another time where she was possibly going to get to be with us again. A bunch of people just changed their minds on a lot of things. And so that was really hard to be patient with, but yeah. She's now with her grandparents too, and she's super happy and healthy and also with cousins and she's doing well. But anyway, like after her, we got a call for this little this teeny preemie baby boy. <laughs> we it was right after the first little girl left. And so we were so sad but ready for another one, which we probably should have waited a little bit because that felt like a death. Um yeah. We went to the NICU to get him and we walk in and we see this baby with like gorgeous, like thick hair. And we're like, wow, is that the boy? Is that the baby we're picking up? And then this nurse comes around and she's like, here, come around the corner. This is where he is. And he's like this wrinkly little, not even five pound baby. And he's got red hair and he's just got these huge eyeballs. And we're like, oh, <laughs> um, but we call him JJ now and we've had him now like we've raised him we got him at 10 days old and he's going to be two in july wow so, really you've yeah. had him for almost two years yeah that's a long so, time is that typical is. in fostering situations to have a kid that long yeah unfortunately i mean the goal is to get kids reunified or with a permanent placement i think it's like for sure within a year maybe 18 months tops but this case sometimes cases will drag out for a number of reasons and he's just been one of those cases and it's hard because if you if you think of like the craziest thing that could happen in this world those crazy things happen with foster care like the weirdest most wild things actually happen it's like um jerry springer it's like that all the time <laughs> <Jerry Springer. laughs> 
little bit of Dr. Phil, Jerry Springer, what are the other ones? Mari or whatever. Like that's real life. Oh my gosh. For us. And so he could, I mean, right now he could still go back with his, his mom or he could be with us forever. So I guess, how does that work? Like, so do, do they call you mom? Do they call you Maddie? Like, what do they call you? So when they're just like little babies and don't talk, I mean, they yeah. start, we started using mom and dad because that's just kind of normal. And like, we are mom and dad to him. But ever since he was born, I would refer to his mother as mom. And when he was like two weeks old, I would literally talk to him and be like, you just, you have a couple moms now. So, you know, <laughs> but you have your mom. And then I'm just another mom right now, okay? <laughs> like to this <laughs> little two-week-old baby <laughs> child. But I was very serious about like talking about everything from literally the beginning. <laughs> well, I think that's good. I think that it's probably very confusing for yeah. for a little two-year-old yeah. to be like, "What? Wait, well, I have two moms. Like, I don't understand." Yeah, and like it's it's just difficult. Um, Aside from those two babies, we've had three other placements and we had two sisters and they were like, they just called me Maddie. They weren't with us for super long, but they just called me Maddie. And, but now we have another toddler who's just, he'll be three in July. So I'm crazy. <laughs> and he, he calls us mom and dad. Like he started doing that right away. He also, I mean, I also talked to him about talking to his dad. Um, unfortunately, his mom has passed, which is incredibly sad. So it's kind of an honor for him to call me mom. And I I promised her <laughs> in heaven or wherever she is that I would help take care of him. So we'll see what happens with that little guy, too. So how do you emotionally, like, I don't know, anchor yourself for stuff like this because like you said it's so transient and like you never know like how long you're gonna have these kids like you said you mentioned that that when that was it the little girl who left it, it yeah. felt like a death a little bit oh yeah like yeah. how do you how do you emotionally stabilize yourself in a and in a role like this I think that I couldn't do anything without having a strong partner in life my husband for the first year part of me wanted to fill a void. Like I wanted a baby to fix me. Like I, I couldn't have a kid yet. Maybe this baby coming into my life will make me all better, but it actually just opened up a lot of wounds <laughs> and ripped you right open. Me, yeah. It took me about a year of therapy to really understand like regular therapy for a year was so important, um, for my healing and mental health. Um, it took all that for me to finally understand that foster care isn't set up to fix broken people. Like it, it's not designed for me. I play a role in it, but it's not set up to meet my emotional needs. And that's when I really started like realizing, Oh my gosh, it literally is about the child. This is not <laughs> about me. Yeah. I'm not entitled to someone else's child. Um, and that kind of, that mindset helped me move forward and just have a more healthy outlook. So you talked about how 
you finally realized that foster care is about the child and not about fixing you. How did you, how do you feel like you came to that realization? Um, do you feel like it was like one moment or do you feel like it was just, it like dawned on you one day or do you feel like it's just been something that's built up over all of your different experiences? Honestly, I don't remember a specific day, but I do remember after that year of therapy, like it really hitting me the purpose of foster care and along with that I we want to adopt we want to like grow our family so a part of that healing and having that the appropriate mindset I had to learn that I'm not entitled to somebody else's child I do support families getting back together if it's healthy for the child um but we're also ready to grow our family if that child needs a forever home yeah. So it took a lot of work to really have that mindset and support the goal of foster care because what foster, what kind of foster parent would I be if I didn't support the actual goal? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's what being a mom is, right? It's like molding, yeah. molding to whatever yeah. your child needs and yeah. uh, being just, yeah, just being that stability for them. And whether that's, you know, being Maddie or being mom. Yeah. Um, and just like being whatever that child needs. So I'd say you're doing great. (laughs) Thanks. Um, so what's your favorite part about fostering? Because it's obviously very difficult and not for the faint of heart. You mentioned that, but like what's something that you love about it and that's like the most rewarding part for you. Oh man. So I (laughs) I am really into like being organized but I'm also like so particular and I change my mind all the time so one of my favorite things to do has been collecting clothes for like especially babies baby age and but now I'm trying to make sure I have like zero to like three T. and I've purchased I love to like shop cheap i love like ross burlington don't knock it till you try it i found some <laughs> stuff from digging in um thrifting things and i remember every time i buy something like that and i've been able to have some babies like through like respite care that's kind of like giving another foster family a break and just watching their babies for a little bit um like a weekend or whatever some of those clothes have been on like four different kids, like oh. little outfits. And Sweet. that's kind of a little thing that makes me happy. And it's something special. And I find new ways to organize all those clothes <laughs> like every other month. <laughs> but yeah, I like it. And I like taking pictures of the kids and just making sure that they have a bunch of memories whether they stay with us or they go somewhere else. Yeah. So how do they determine, sorry, I also just like don't know anything about foster care. So I'm also just going to like pick your brain about it. Um, Go for it. So how do they determine um, if if a child is with you and their parents like aren't ready to take them back or they don't have family, will that child stay with you? Or is there a chance the child be transferred to another foster family? Like how is that determined? It all kind of comes down to the parents so when a child comes into care the parents parent or parents usually there's two but sometimes the other one is like brought in later or there are multiple (laughs) that's been 
the case with JJ, there are like a couple different parents. So we've had to clarify, <laughs> um, which is normal and that's okay. No shame in here. Um, so when a kid comes into care, then their parent or parents have a case plan. And in that plan, it's like, okay, you need to do this, this, and this to get your kid back. And then we have like status hearings every, there's a lot of court, um, court dates. And right now it's still on zoom, which is nice. Do you have um, to go to those? We don't have to, but we do like to attend them. And the judge will like ask you how the kid is doing. And I'll be like sweating, like, it's doing really great, Your Honor. Thank you for, thank you for your time. <laughs> thank you for allowing us to be here. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though. I've done so many and I still get nervous. <laughs> like they are judging me here. I don't know. Well, they are a judge, um, so you know. That's true. <laughs> if anybody's going to do it, I guess it would be them, right? True. Yeah. <laughs> So like every three months, there's like a status review, status hearing. And then, but the big court dates are like six months. That's kind of a big, that's a big court date to see our parents really getting on track here. Most of the time parents need to take like classes or if they've been involved in, you know, like drugs or anything, there are some tests that they might have to, the judge might require them to do. There are a number of things, and not all cases are like this. Like, sometimes it's very, I mean, the parents don't have to do a whole lot, and they can get their kid back within a few months. Like, that happens. Um, this is just from my experience and what, what I know a lot of cases are like. Um, when it comes down to it, parents have a checklist. Once they get it done, then the judge is like, okay, can we send your kids back? So, and usually that requires like three months consistent, like consistently showing that you could take care of a child. So like, imagine that like three months of working enough to provide for a child, three months of like being strong if you've dealt with addiction, you know, like that, that is a lot to do. And a lot of times these parents don't have friends or family that will be able to help them reach those goals, which is sad. Um, anyway like that's basically the gist of it and if it gets down to so like let's say a case heads like it's not looking good for the parents and there's no family involved then you can be selected to be the best permanent option for the child who's in your care uh -huh. like a foster family can be selected as that best like permanent option in case mom or dad or whomever um, shows like at the very end they can get it together when it gets to that point there's a termination trial and that's kind of the start of the end of the case that's when the judge is like okay are we terminating rights or are we not are we reunifying but um halfway usually about halfway through the case the goal will change from reunification to termination so I forgot to mention that part there are a lot more details, but that's kind of like the basic. So when you sign up to be a foster parent, do you like mm -hmm. say like, oh, I, I'd rather do you like do like preference of age or do they just give you whoever mm -hmm. or? Yeah. So we you you tell them what ages you're interested in. Some people love babies. Some people don't, which I'm like, you're crazy. But maybe <laughs> they like sleep. <laughs> give me all the babies. I was also. Yeah, I'm also fortunate to be a stay-at-home mom, and that's just, 
easier for like babies yeah like little kids yeah so that's a blessing for me so we said we were interested in zero to two and so you'll get calls but you get lots of calls like every day or every other day I get texts and calls about sibling groups or just kids outside of your comfort zone I guess or your um preferred age age preference yeah yeah and and it's totally okay to say no they're just trying to find a place for the kids yeah um but you when you get licensed you're licensed for a certain amount of children so they look at your house and they're like okay you probably have this many kids these many kids and so now we're like where we're at we started out with just a place for one and we're like we just need to keep it at one and see how that goes but now we have two and then we have a spot open for a third if we're feeling wild (laughs) (laughs) if you're feeling like oh you want a challenge (laughs) yeah (laughs) what is something that is difficult about fostering that nobody would expect because i feel like there are the things that you know like the goodbyes and helping kids like be transient um and get used to change but like what's something that's been difficult that you were like whoa I did not expect this I did not expect to have so much empathy whichever empathy or sympathy the one where you don't know how they're feeling like you haven't experienced it but you feel for them that's empathy right I have I honestly don't know (laughs) I think so (laughs) um anyway I didn't know how deeply I would feel for these mothers some would say it's hard to like look at somebody who makes poor choices, but can still have a bunch of kids um, when I can't. And I have had times where I've thought about that. Like, that's so unfair, but I have seen our little guy that we have now, especially I saw his mom a lot in the beginning and though she, her life, she's been through a lot and is still like choices have led her to unfortunate situations. Watching a woman who has had her kid taken from her, who had just given birth like I haven't given birth but I know that that's like you're all over the place like you just birthed a human and then having that human taken away within like 24 hours that was the case for our first placement too and that was actually yeah she only got like 24 hours with her and I don't know it just the heartbreak that you see in their eyes in I've tried to imagine giving away or not giving away, but having a child taken from me and the thought of that is just terrible. And then I think of the mother of our other little guy we have. I never got to meet her, but she was really pulling for her son and trying. She really got a lot of things together and was trying so hard before she passed. And that's really heavy to learn. And I don't know. You just see so much. I've seen so much love come from them. And I don't know. I know I was fortunate to be raised by two parents and just have a pretty decent family. But some people like some people, all their family is dead or in prison. Like there are many parents who have dealt with that and they have nobody. So I wasn't prepared for that pain. This is really sad story real quick. Um, The first one, our first little girl, her mom, wanted to like give her daughter breast milk right so we got it and it was frozen and she wrote a note on every single bag like she didn't see her kid still hasn't seen her kid and her 
her kid's like gonna be too soon but she hasn't given up and I don't know I just when I read those I like cried and I wrote them down for her because no matter the choices that these moms make you know that they really love their babies and it's sad when it doesn't work out but the love is there you know Mm -hmm. gosh yeah yeah well I mean I I think that just goes to show that it takes a very special person to be a foster parent and uh I think that's a really incredible just lesson on humanity and just you know like seeing things from somebody else's perspective and especially with the heartbreak that you've been through with your own you know, fertility stuff. I think that for you to be able to sit there and have empathy for those moms who, like you said, are getting to experience the one thing in the entire universe that you want to do. And for Mm -hmm. you to sit there and just be able to like, just feel for them, I think is like, just amazing. So good for you. Like, that's incredible. I think that's a really, really huge um, thing. So um, Thank you. That's really nice of you to say. <laughs> um, well, I also want to talk about uh, the five Etsy shops you have. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Because so um, I think that's a really like cool part of you is that you you <laughs> you and I have very similar personalities, and that like I'm like I want so badly to be creative. And so I'll start something and then I'm like, oh, this is, I don't want to do this. This is too much right now. I need to take a break. And then I come so back I, to it. And so yeah, anyway, tell us about I, that. <laughs> so I've always just changed my mind a lot. I, I mean, I was one of the late diagnosed ADHDers. And I also, um, in the last year, I was diagnosed with a mood disorder. Um like I'm totally open about it. It's called psychothymia. It's like if there were a bipolar three, that would be it. So on top of my interests changing with ADHD, like I get hyper-focused on different things and then I want to start something. I feel really pumped about it. Well, then I might get hit with like a depressive episode for my mood disorder. And then I kind of just throw on the towel (laughs) And then sometimes when I pick myself back up, like I I did today after like, like a week of being like, <laughs> um, sometimes I'm still on board for those things like Etsy shops. So after getting to know myself and knowing my tendencies, I really, I've really been more particular and like I've planned ahead mm-hmm. for these situations. Like, I don't know when I'm going to have a down period of time and when I do have it I don't know how long it's gonna last I also don't know when I'm gonna have like a high time not high on drugs <laughs> let me be clear high <laughs> on like, life that's where I'm yes and when that happens I don't know how long it's gonna ha- it's gonna be there for and when it is that's usually when I'm creative but which I enjoy so that's kind of how I've landed this I've started this last Etsy shop I'm trying to do digital prints because it only requires like yes low maintenance it doesn't require you sending stuff and that yes. is so hard for me to do yes i so we'll, 
<laughs> I try to do like I have the amount of digital print Etsy shops I've like tried to start is like ridiculous because I was like, oh, this would be fun. I like create one thing and then I'm like, I I can't do this. You gotta anymore. have the different sizes and you gotta explain it and it's just so much work. Oh, oh. I also read you're so good at somewhere. it though. Oh, thanks. Your things are um, always so cute. Thanks. Um, I think it's important to do creative things that aren't just designed to make money too. Like for everything I've posted or like listed, I have like a bunch of other things that I've created that I've liked or I don't know, used for something else. Like I've designed like art to just put on my wall, but not sold it as a print, you know? Do you use, what do you use when you design stuff? Canva. Oh, Oh, it's the best. Like even like back, cause you've been designing stuff for like, few like several years did yeah. you use canva like back in the day too no so when my first etsy shop i <laughs> like i cut felt i cut felt with a pair of scissors and cut out letters and if that letter was not perfect i did it again oh man so i spent hours or when i like i also did the felt the felt was my thing That's i so cut cute. i remember and, I didn't realize how much time and sweat and tears I was putting into it for like what it was actually worth. You know what I mean? Uh So that I learned the hard way and my hand hurts so bad all the time from like all the snipping of felts and thanks. (laughs) But they were so cute. cute. And you're like, I'll make this for my friends when they need them. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to try to sell these because this is not worth it. Um, So... What is some advice you would have for other moms who maybe have lost their self in motherhood and, um, or who are just struggling, um, and need like advice on like how to find joy or find, I don't know, like what advice would you have for other moms? I guess I'll just leave it at that. It's easy to say, be yourself or like to not care what others think, whatever, but that's a lot easier said than done. So like, if you want to have five different Etsy shops, go for it, whatever. Like somebody might be thinking, wow, she needs to get it together. Like not take it seriously, but who cares? Like, I don't care. Maybe I used to, but not anymore. Also for like the stay at home moms, this is something I've been thinking a lot about. If it ends up, if you need to like work for a little bit and put your kids in daycare, that is not the end of the world. Like it's not, I've worked in a daycare and I did a really good job. And if that's just the season of life you're in, that's fine. It doesn't need to be forever, but like, don't feel bad about that because your kids are going to have fun no matter where they are. (laughs) Yeah. It's not too late to be somebody who gets ready. It doesn't have to be every day. Yes. But a couple of years ago, when I started like caring for a newborn, I was like, okay, I already kind of let myself go. what is it too late is it too late for me (laughs) but it's not like if you want to get ready for like a whole week and then you're over it and then one week you're just you look like a slob whatever that's okay it's okay if certain things don't seem consistent and perfect it really is and be friends with who you want to be friends with I quite honestly my closest friends are like over the age of 40 I'm not even joking right now (laughs) Shout out to them. You know who you are. <laughs> um, if <they're... laughs> uh, but like, just 
be around who you want to be around, be around people who lift you up. And if it's another mom friend, that's great because you can relate to a lot of things. If it's just somebody you met at church, whatever, like that's great. If be around people who make you feel good about yourself and who inspire you, that's something that I think is so important as a mother when you already spend so much time feeling isolated, taking care of your kids. When you do have that time, make it count. Don't waste it on stupid little get-togethers that don't fill your cup. Yes, I agree. Like, I feel like that's something that I've been thinking a lot about this week. Um, Just, I feel like with, I don't know if you've heard, but here in Utah, it's an endless winter. (laughs) And uh, just the snow has just been relentless. Like, it's like the, like, largest snowfall like it's we've broken all the records and um so it's been really really hard it's been a really really long winter and like I'll just speak for myself like it's been rough like as far as like keeping my spirits up and like feeling hopeful for the future and like being like is it are we ever gonna see the sun again like it's just been really hard and I feel like it's been a little bit like survival mode and I just Mm -hmm. had to like let things go And just be like, you know what, I need to do what makes me happy. Because if I don't, I'm going to struggle, like I'm going to have a mental breakdown. (laughs) And like, I have (laughs) had plenty. (laughs) Um, But it's like several I have, (laughs) but it's like, what a like, what a weird thing that we do to ourselves that we hold ourselves to these standards of like, Oh, this is how I should be. And if I'm not doing that, I'm failing. And when it's like, no, Mm -hmm. you should be doing whatever the heck you want, whatever the heck you want. Like, however that looks for you is like, is fine. Like my house is a just complete disaster. And I'm like, whatever. Like at this point, like I finally cleaned it today after like months, I've had laundry on my floor. I have not folded laundry in like months. And it's like, I'm proud of you. It is hard (laughs) to let go of that. It is so so hard. hard. And it's hard to like, be okay with it and just be like, you know what, this is where I am right now. And especially like to all the moms who just have young kids, I have to Mm -hmm. remind myself. And I talked about this in, um, my very first like episode with Mackenzie about how, Mm -hmm. um, it's just a season, you know, and it's going to pass. And like, it's not always going to be like this and that's okay. And it's okay to like, go from like this end of the spectrum to this end of the spectrum on how you feel about that. Right. Like, cause some days we're like, Oh, I never want you to grow up. And then other days I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait till I like have the house to myself. You guys are all in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. That's totally okay. It's like balance. Right. And so I agree with you. I think like do the things that make you happy because that's the, those are the things that are going to make you the best mom. And it's like, yeah, if you're doing the things that fill your cup, like you said, like you're going to be a better caretaker for your children ultimately. And 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 then you're going to, yes. Well, and also like just as a side effect to that, they will see you. Mm -hmm. And I am such a like proponent proponent of like being the inner, like you become the inner voice for your child, right? Like how you treat yourself is how they think is normal to treat themselves. So it's like, if we're talking about our bodies in a negative way, or if we're talking about, if we're putting ourselves down or doing the things that make us miserable just to help everybody else, then they're going to see that and go, Oh, that's what a mom is. They're just really self-sacrificing and they're never happy. (laughs) 
And it's like, I don't don't want my kids to be those kind of moms. I want them to be happy in motherhood. I want them to like have joy, like be be joyful in like their endeavors. Anyway, so it's like being that is like, it's healthy for yourself, but it's also healthy for your kids to see you being happy and like living your life in a way that makes you happy. So I think that's really good advice. Mm. (laughs) Well, thank you for um, chatting us, chatting us. Thank you for chatting (laughs) with me tonight and uh, just kind of giving us a little glimpse into your life. And um, I think that it's easy to feel alone in a lot of situations and scenarios. And I think it's really important. Um, Part of the reason that I started this podcast was because I just really wanted other people to not like other moms to not feel alone in like the things they were going through. And um, yeah, so thank you for sharing your experiences and the things that you've learned and opening up your heart to us and to the fostering system. Mm -hmm. I I just think that that's really incredible. So thanks for sharing with us. Thank you for having me. And since I'm kind of scatterbrained and that probably didn't all make sense when I was talking about foster care, (laughs) um, people like can message me or whatever on Instagram. I'm always happy to give more information. (laughs) more information um for those because i know there are a lot of people locally and elsewhere who want to help in any way and i've got a few different ways that you can help so cool well i will totally link your instagram in the show notes okay and so um people can reach (laughs) out to you if they have questions about whether it's your experience or like what the process to um, like apply for fostering is like, or whatever, um, I'll yeah. go ahead and give them your information so they can reach out to you. But yeah, awesome. thank, thank you, you so much, Maddie. And, uh, good luck. I hope you, I, I wish you uh, restful nights this week with two toddlers. <laughs> oh, thank you. You too. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. we will talk to you Thanks. later. Okay. See ya. Okay, see Bye. Ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting me on this journey and this fun little thing I've decided to do. Um, Tell your friends, tell your family, but maybe not too many because I don't want to get people's hopes up because again, I'm just average and uh, I can't, I can't have any pressure on me to perform every single week. So don't get your hopes too high, but please tell people it's a fun, it's a fun listen, right? Does it feel relatable to you? Anyway, if you know any incredible moms who you would like to be interviewed or you think would be a good interviewee, please email me their info and a little bit about them at motheringthrough.pod at gmail.com. I hope you have a wonderful week and may the nap gods smile upon you. Remember that you're doing better than you think you are and tomorrow is a new day and you get to start over. So have a great week and I will talk to you next time. Please consider subscribing and leaving a rating and review. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send questions, stories, or general podcast feedback to motheringthrough.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.